Welcome, everybody. It is our very first preseason hockey podcast here at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by the illustrious Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Not too bad, Andrew. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Uh, and we even have the pleasure of the big boss himself. Uh, Howard Bender has dropped in to uh, talk some fantasy hockey with us tonight. How are you doing, Howard? I'm, I'm doing real well. I, I appreciate the fact that you think that I'm going to be talking fantasy hockey with you as opposed to asking you guys a billion questions for my upcoming fantasy hockey draft. So if you yeah. want to call that discussing with you, sure, sure, sure. Happy to be here, guys. Definitely. Hey, you say potato. I say potato. It's close <laughs> enough. Right? I say poutine. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, only if you can put the ingredients together correctly. Otherwise, it might be something else. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have no response for that. You might have loaded cheese fries or some shit like that. So, I mean, um, mistakes have been made. You guys have seen how fat I am. Just do I look like a guy who's going to thumb his nose at just regular old loaded cheese fries? No, but I think Chris would. I mean, it's poutine is not hard to make. It's not. <laughs> um, it, then you haven't seen it screwed up enough times. I don't know where you guys are going for Boutin, but you can literally <laughs> like you can almost you can almost get it at like anywhere you go here and it's it's well done. I have not had a terrible Boutin in a very oh, wow. long time. Yeah, I, I've been to places who use like uh like a, a white gravy and it's just like what are you doing? This oh, okay, so, so so KFC, you you just out it. That's no, no, no. <laughs> right uh, if only that was the case. Oh my god. Uh, but anyways, we'll get this going here. Uh, there'll be plenty of time to talk about poutine later. Poutine, if you will. Thank um, you. So, Howard, we'll, we'll start this off here. Uh, you got a draft on Wednesday. Um, so, I mean, the idea here, I guess, was that, uh, you would have the opportunity to ask us the questions about what you want to know heading into your draft so that, uh, thinking that the average person is going to have the same types of questions that you will. So let's give us the first one. All right. Well, so, um, this I, is you fantasy know, I, hockey for beginners, right? That's what we're doing. This is fantasy like hockey for beginners. No doubt. And and what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and figure out if there are ways that we can equate this to fantasy football, maybe, because perhaps a, a fantasy footballer out there is like, well, I'd love to try fantasy hockey. Uh, I, I love watching the sport. Um, but, you know, there are certain things that I just don't know strategy wise. So, you know, things like, you know, in fantasy football right now, everybody's talking about how you just you, you need to just pay up for that tight end. Right. You just need to have the Travis Kelsey. Um you know, play there. So the question is, is, you know, when we look at the different positions here uh, for fantasy hockey, you know, are you guys, you know, what's the deepest position? Where do you know, where, where, where can you get most of your value later on? What are the positions where might be a little top heavy and, and you know, that you, you want to make that move early, like goalie, a hot, a hotly cont contested debate between you two last season. It has not changed, by the way, just in case somebody was worried about that. It has not changed. So you still say yeah. goalies are, you know, you, you got to have them. And, and Andrew is telling me uh, you goals. can sit and wait. 
Yeah, like goalie is your zero running back equivalent. Man, like I... went from like five years ago, or maybe it was more like <laughs> ten years ago, when running back was so deep that like you didn't have to get one in the first few rounds because you might as well load up on receivers. I think that's like to me that's the equivalent. Like, you're going to get like you're getting Simeon Varlamov near pick 100. You don't need like if you're not getting Vasilevsky in the first round, and I would argue you don't need to, and you probably shouldn't. Then you should just wait, because the difference between the top guys, right, and the and the like middle of the road guys is that they're not that far away from each other, right? Like, two examples I'll give you from last year. You could have got Philip Grubauer in, I don't know, like the 12th, 13th round, and you're going to get Marc-Andre Fleury later than that. They both were top five bullets last year. Those guys are going to be there. You just have to look at the – you got to find the, the situations where there are goalies who are going to win games – and take those guys, right? Like, you don't have to pay up. Like, people are going to pay up again on UC Saros. Okay, I don't, I don't disagree. I had him as a top ten goalie last year. You didn't have to buy him as a top ten goalie, but he's going to be free. Guys like like Jordan Bennington, I think he's the guy you can wait on. Wasn't great last year, but St. Louis isn't terrible. He's going to win games, and he was still a top ten goalie last year. Well, not being, you know. Everyone hated him, thought he was terrible, but he still got the job done. Still got you the points you needed. Still won the categories you needed. It's the number one guy. There's no backup. There's no, like, there's no guy to take his job away. I think that's that's fair. I think that's <laughs> oh, fair. I will really? say I, I will say this though. That's because so my experiment last year was Tristan Jerry and Carter Hart within the first five picks, and did it end well? No. Is that, you know, hindsight being perfect 2020? Sure. But looking at the situations, looking at the teams, the Flyers had some regression. The Pittsburgh Penguins battled every single injury that could exist here. And for me, I just want to, if there's one position I want to get a lock on, it's the goaltending position. Now, will I take Andre Vasilevsky in the first round? Probably not. Because the opportunity cost there is giving up a player like you know, Nikita Kucherov, who may fall there. Mikko Rantanen, right, who we're both big fans of, right, Andrew? Um, yeah. Or Tammy Panarin. I have Jonathan Huberto as a late first round as well. So there's a ton of players there that you're going to start passing up some value on. So I think, I for me, general rule of thumb, by the fifth round, I have my goaltending figured out. Because at that point, there's still a ton of talent that you can grab up front, right? You can find a player who's going to push 60 points later on in the draft. They're, they're a little bit harder to find, but you can find those couple of players who are in good situations, you know, players who are going to get top power play minutes, uh, I mean, players on a bad team, right? Players on bad teams can still do well, right? Not New York Jets bad, but... Oh, as long whoa. as you know, I, I first one, I know first one, it's going to be a long night. Um, but like even players on bad teams can still do things. So I want to get my goaltending out of the way 
so I can focus on the value that I'm going to get everywhere. So I'm, I'm looking at players, let's say, and I know I have them ranked high on the auction sheet, and that's Darcy Kemper, right? Moving out of Arizona, you know, really bad team offensively, defensively, they were good, but there was no support there. Now he moves over to Colorado. Colorado, really good team offensively. Their defense is really good. And now you add an even, I think, at least for me, a better goalie than what Philip Grubauer was. Here's a goalie who can easily return value on his third goalie off the board, which is where I have him in the auction sheet. I'll I'll tell you what really scares me about about Darcy Camper. Darcy Camper had problems staying healthy in Arizona. Now you're going to put him up in altitude and see if he can stay healthy now. I'm willing. I'm I'm willing for him there. I'm willing to take that opportunity. I'd go as far as third, which is where I have him on the auction sheet, which is where everybody should be targeting him. And if you get in a situation where, I don't know, the rest of your league, for whatever reason, they're broke, they don't have their, you know, cheat sheet, and they're going to wait on him. If you can turn him on the fourth, if you, let's say, have a late pick in the third, and you have the early pick in, in, in the fourth, right, on the turn, then you're going to get some really good value there. Maybe you sneak in another forward, right? Or maybe you start targeting one of those big, you know, one of those defensemen that you can kind of turn on, right? Adam Fox, somewhere there. John Carlson. I have Jacob Chikorin all the way up as well. Because these are just players that I think the value is just too much right now to say, hey, we're not doing this. Yeah. See, the injuries scare me. The altitude scares me. I would like for my money get him a gas mask. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about. I'm. I'm but I to think me, you I'm, should be right. Like, like, look across every sport, right? Like, Colorado Rockies get hurt all the time. The Denver Nuggets get hurt all the time. Uh, it seems like the Denver Broncos aren't immune to this. So why is Darcy Kemper going to be immune to this? I think, right? I. I don't. I mean, look, I. <laughs> I don't know, but I, for me, for Darcy Kemper, where he is outside of the injuries, which apparently happen a lot in Colorado now, I think the situation that he's in with the team in front of him gives him that high risk, high risk. If I'm going to take a risk that early in the draft on somebody, right? So if again, on the Chishi, where I'm sitting on him now, if I have the chance to grab him there again on the turn, maybe get some value. I'm 100% taking him, 100%, because that's where I want to hold him on versus waiting later on in the draft and grabbing a player that is going to split starts or, you know, may not live up to that potential. Well, what's the age old saying? You can't win your draft in the first few rounds, but you can definitely lose it. You can certainly lose it. Correct. So I'm I'm grabbing players that I know, right? Like Darcy Kemper is a good goalie and his situation. He was last year's John Gibson, right? I mean, John Gibson is, I mean, how many times do we target him in DFS? Why? Because we know he's going to face a bunch of shots. We're just hoping he doesn't give up four plus goals and that maybe once in a while he picks up a 36 save win. (laughs) And, you know, here you are at the top of the leaderboard because John Gibson got there. And I think in this case, Darcy Kemper, again, really good goalie, but now he's moved over to a much better team. I think it's the same conversation for UC Soros. Really good goalie. Terrible team. Terrible team. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think if wins are heavily weighted, I think you can take Grubauer, but I don't want to take him that early. I'm not taking him anywhere near there. 
Um, Seattle Seattle seems like a really great oh, place, sorry. but that team's sorry. not going to be good. Sorry, I got that backwards. I'm getting the same. I'm taking Kemp. Like, I, I can live with taking Kemp there. I don't know if he plays enough games. Uh, Grubauer being in a little different situation. Like, Wait, you're not sure C- if Kemper plays enough games? Yeah. Check it. Check the injury. Check the history. When was the last time he played? To, a I need to get. I need to find a doctor in Colorado, get his medical records out before I do this. <laughs> before I do my draft in early so, October. <laughs> let, let me ask you guys here. I, I so I, I get the debate, and I can appreciate the debate on uh, on Kemper. So if if I'm looking down here, you know, like when I'm looking at the quarterback position, I'm like, okay, these are the guys who you know I I want to walk out of the draft with at least these guys, and I don't want to go lower than this player here and then get stuck, you know, you know, bummed out about the position. Where is in, in, in your, uh, your, your auction sheet, your auction grid here, where's the lowest that you each would go to take your goalie? What's the name? I would go, What's the I name would on go the list? six. So What's anything I, I, I would go in the sixth round. So once I'm entering the seventh round here, Right, so I have in the sheet, right, we have Spencer Knight there, Ilya Sorokin, Alex Nedeljkovic, Jack Campbell, uh, Jordan Bennington, I mean, Peter Morozik. We're going all the way down here, with the exception of maybe Jacob Markstrom, who I think can be, you know, goalie turns it around. Now we're talking about Christian Jerry, Carter Hart. There's a lot of risk there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Spencer Knight going into the season just because, I mean... It's, he's not. He's not going to play enough. So Samsonov, and, Ilya Samsonov, Cam Talbot, Carey Price. That's as low as you would wait. That's as far as you would wait before making sure that you got your goalie. Howard, I will a hundred percent have my goaltending situation figured out by that point, right? Okay. Because I, I, for me, again, Ilya Samsonov, great goalie, struggled a little bit last year. I, I, I can expect him to bounce back. Cam Talbot's on a really good Minnesota team. You know, defensively, they should be fine. Offensively, we'll see. But, you know, he's good enough to weather the boat. Carey Price is obviously the GOAT, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and after that, I mean, like I said, Spencer Knight has to deal with Sergei Bobrovsky's $50 million that he still has to collect. And you're not sitting $50 million on the bench, right? This is basically taking Trubisky and not playing him, right? So you have to figure out something with there. Sorokin, I don't know how many starts he's going to get. I'm not going with my first goalie off the board, being a guy who's going to split 50-50 starts at best, if that's it. Nadelkovich is in Detroit. I like him. I don't like the situation. Jack Campbell, we're talking about injuries. Jordan Bennington, who knows? Morozik. And then, I mean, at at Freddie Anderson, the conversation stops, right? So, I mean, listen, you didn't even need to say a single name past Samsonov then, because if that's as low as you're going to go, then it doesn't matter what Sorokin or Knight. Now, Andrew, same question, though. How low do you go? All all the way down. Really? I, I would start at. The nine at the ten eleven dollar range, I would happily take Jacob Markstrom at that price because he's going to get all the starts in Calgary. I don't think Calgary is going to be that bad. I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year. And he was new goalie, new goalie coach, brand new place. Uh, Markstrom's a horse. He's going to. I think he's going to be fine. I'd happily start there, and then start piecing the rest of it together because. Okay. I think you can get number one guy. Like, there's number one guys there. Jari's still going to get losses starts for the Penguins. He's nine, ten dollars. 
Blackwood has played well. And, I mean, it's a, it's a grade-A name. Mackenzie Blackwood. And Vitek Vanacek. I had him last year. So my goalies last year were, uh, were Freddie Anderson, Blackwood, and then I also I had Saros, who yeah. I got for, like, nothing last year. But, like, Vitek Vanacek was better than Samsonov last year. And you're getting him for what? How much less? He's not getting enough starts, though. But you did. That's the thing. We didn't know that, and I don't know if we necessarily know that now. You're going to get him for ten dollars less, or you're going to get him ten dollars less, but you're going to carry ten dollars worth, seven dollars worth of risk as well, and saying, "Hey, is right, he going to start?" But if he's your third goalie, I'll roll the dice on that. If and I when, no, if if I'm looking for my third goalie here, I'm going way down the board. And I'm going to take a player like, let's say, Cal Pedersen. Or I'm going to look at maybe Elvis Merzlikens, right? I'm going to really copo Kakanen, right? If maybe you went with Cam Talbot early and you want to protect your investment, right? You'll handcuff the backup and say, okay, well, I'll hold Capo Kako in a good situation as well. Looking at the division, looking at the team and saying, hey, there's a lot that goes there. Me, I know that if I get my goalie situated done early, there's still a ton of value left on the board for players who can score goals, right? If you're going down the sheet here, we're in the ninth round. I mean, Tyler Sagan's still on the board there, right? Dallas should be a better team. He's now healthy. That's important there. He was a scratch again. I mean, he's he's to me, he's going to be fine, right? The Dallas Stars are going to be okay, healthy, no issue there, right? Zach Wierenski, by the way, like I, I think people forget that he can score goals, right? He's still there, right? But Excellent guess- pickup. But like Chris, I guess I'll frame it this way: in an auction, I think I can spend twenty-seven bucks on goalies and be in a good place with three guys, knowing full well there's going to be somebody who's not on this list at all who's going to end up with a sixty percent share of goal. We just don't necessarily know who it is yet, right? Happens year in year out. So if I can save, I can, if I can leave in a two hundred. I got $200 budget. I got $170 to spend everywhere else. Right? And I can get three starters for $27. bucks. i will do I that. I think you can get a ton of value a, later on in the draft. I think that's a great strategy. And you can save some value on some players that will kind of turn the heads and get it. For goalies, again, I just want to simplify it. And I, I, I will spend upwards of $45 on two goalies. If that's the value that I have to pay for a goalie that I think is in a really good position and I think can return its his value, like I would spend upwards of, you know, $45 if it means I secure Darcy Kemper and UC Saros. Two good goalie, right? I mean, Saros is a good goalie. As, as long as you don't get penalized for losses, yeah. then you're going to be fine because National Predators are going to lose a lot of hockey games. And it's not going to be UC Saros' fault. They might win a couple more because Pecorino is not there. We don't have to worry about him kind of vulturing starts. I have no idea who's the backup in uh, Nashville. Yeah, and honestly, that's not. Connor Ingram. Yeah, some, somebody I don't really care about. So, it, it, again, he's going to have the workhorse of the net. Nobody's going to turn up. By the way, David Riddich is the name you were looking for, Andrew. <laughs> so, oh, 
I know, right? Fun stuff. Potentially David Riddich. Potentially. Whoever backs him up. There is no... So for goalies like that where I know there's nothing else coming behind, I just want my goalies to be settled in their position, which is exactly... I know the route I took last year didn't work out, but I'm not going to let it deviate away from it because I know I can grab some of that value elsewhere. And I want to be the guy who starts the goalie run and says, hey... I get the pick because then you're going to maybe bait a couple of other managers and saying, oh, no, you know, we're on that run. And it happens in every single draft, right? You kind of see a couple of players starting to go off the board, you know, in one certain position. And all of a sudden somebody panics and they reach on somebody. And then once you start reaching all those all those players up top, well, now they come back and now you kind of get all of them at a discount. If you can get a couple that in the rankings can fall because you're starting that trend versus it, I'm more than happy with that. More than happy. Maybe we, you know, maybe a Dougie Hamilton slides. Maybe a Tyson Berry starts to slide. I hope I, you know, wake up in the fifth round and Jacob Chickering sitting there and I'm saying, okay, fine. Well, okay, cool. We'll do that. But to me, I just, I want to get them, I, I want to get these goalies sorted out early. And that's it. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was, that was a long way to get to uh, how far we have to go. I was one question. It took 20 minutes to answer. <laughs> Please tell me that, you know, if I have other questions. You started but... with the goalies, Howard. This is, this is, this is was, was, I mean, is that a mistake? I mean, is that like, what? I mean, it sounded like I was we just, just uh, we debating. Just don't have the, we just don't have the same one. Invent the wheel or don't invent the wheel. I don't know. Which one do you want to do? (laughs) Do you like a round or do you like it square? Wow. Um, All right. Well, listen, man, that was uh, that was quite the education. Um, Listen, you know, I I think it it makes sense then for for people. Uh, It obviously makes sense to hear the debate on it um, and, you know, to settle in the middle somewhere, um, which does sound like the, uh, you know, somewhere between the sixth and ninth round. To go and get your goalie, and that seems to be where uh, where where we're kind of hanging, uh, as far as that goes. So, okay, um, what's the deal with defensemen? Am I waiting on defensemen? Does it make sense to get at least one early? Um, it always seemed to be when I was playing last year that there were a lot of defensemen who really weren't, you know, I mean, it just it just wasn't worth it. Like it didn't matter if you had a. a, a guy from your waiver wire or like the first one you took off your board so where where are we at with that well i I think i would be of the opinion defenseman is really a case where you gotta you gotta before you start you gotta make sure you know your league rules because the difference between uh a first round defenseman or like an a guy you're gonna take early and someone you might get later in a lot of cases is how you're evaluating so like if your league has blocks hits penalty minutes even i'm not sure why we use penalty minutes but they're still there uh because it's exciting because yes you know what some some people watch nascar just for the crashes fair enough um but if you're counting blocks and hits it really changes the values because like tyson berry who was i think the top scoring defenseman last year suddenly is way less valuable because he doesn't block shots or hit anybody. Whereas like somebody like Jacob Chikrin, 
starts to move up because he's giving you points and he's filling all the categories for you. Same with somebody like Seth Jones. Good situation, should get lost, should be on the power play. He's going to get you points, he'll get you blocks, get you hits, shoot the puck. All that good stuff. Same with Adam Fox. Adam Fox starts to slide. Kellen Carr starts to slide because uh, of those values. So uh, I'm I'm also of the opinion I don't want to I want to spend my as much draft capital as I can on forwards early in my draft. Uh, so I would rather wait on defensemen because I think because typically you do see guys have big seasons from further down the board. Uh, you can get I like the value of guys like John Klingberg in Dallas, who's still got top power play. Um, I think you're gonna get guys like that. You can still get Chris Letang. You're gonna get uh, you'll probably get Aaron Eckblad who's coming back from injury, but is in a really good position again in Florida and had a great season. Thomas Shabbat does everything for you while playing about 35 minutes a night. Um, so I like to wait on defense, usually maybe closer to the fourth or fifth round uh but get one there and then kind of like every couple of rounds start to start to fill them in after that but you you really got to know uh you really got to know the rules on your defenseman because it's going to make a difference okay yeah that's the same opinion here i i'll try sometimes if i can to get one good really you know stud defenseman if that opportunity is there um usually i'm probably turning on the third you know third round fourth round if i got a goalie in a third i can probably get a defenseman in the fourth turn another goalie in the fifth and i kind of have everything settled out but same opinion as andrew here will i go out crazy early and try to get a bunch of defensemen no just because the ceiling for them is just not as high right so and, and would i love to target a player like kale mccarr and victor hedman even adam fox sure but am I going to pass up on value of players who can hit a at least a point per game production? So if I'm looking at you know Kale McCarr and Victor Hedman, well the opportunity cost is I may be passing up on Mitch Marner because of Benajad, Braden Point. I don't know if I really want to do that either. So I'll try to grab a couple and I'll go all the way down and target defensemen who, like you said, Andrew, just kind of fill out for you by with hits and block shots. So a lot of leagues now count block shots, right? A lot of teams will use, let's say, formats that DraftKings share, which they count block shots as well. And, I mean, you know how much I love yeah, you know, players Martinez. all the way. Alec Martinez, I mean... I mean, he could. I mean, he, I'm hoping one day he may be my second dad. I mean, the man was just the man blocks more shots than he takes at one point. And he was just a staple in every single playbook because all he does is hit three plus block shots. He gets a couple of shots in there as well. The occasional maybe assist here and there. And all of a sudden you have a ton of value. And that's the same thing as well. You can work the waiver wire based on. You know, the changes, you know, defensemen are going to get an opportunity to quarterback top power play units, right? We see a lot of defensemen get the opportunity to move up there and, you know, whether they hold on to it or not, you know, it, it kind of, you know, neither here nor there per se. But there's a lot of defensemen that have that opportunity to work their way in. I mean, look at Keith Yandel for the longest time in Florida, right? Kind of held on to that power play spot and becomes that that player that creates a type of value, right? You talked about Thomas Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat plays forever. Well, the volume in, right in any in fantasy hockey is obviously key, right? You want players to be out on the ice. Jeff Petrie is going in the 10th round, right? Or at least I have him there. I didn't want to boost him too much here, but 
I mean, I'd be comfortable taking him a full round earlier, especially without Shea Weber around to steal any minutes from him. He could easily, you know, return 50, 55 points in it. Right. There's a whole type of there. We have to see, you know, a lot of talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's see who quarterbacks that top unit. Right. Is it Ivan Provorov? Is it Ryan Ellis? You know, look around there, kind of see what's going on. Is it Keith Yandel? Keith. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of mouths there to feed uh, in Philadelphia. So that's kind of the part that's kind of holding a lot of us back here. But there's there's enough value later on in the draft that I'm willing to hold and say, hey, let's. Let's figure out the top here and then work our way down and see what kind of value there is. There's a, again, I mean, go down the list here, even in the later rounds and they're risk factors, but I mean, Brent Burns used to be a lock, right? Top round. I have him in the 14th round here of the auction, right? Eric Carlson is still there. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Quinn Hughes, but let's say that drags out. Oliver Ekman Larson now in Vancouver is there, right? The Buffalo Sabres need somebody to play, right? Rasmus Dahlin is there, and we know he's a boatload of skill. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in Seattle. Colton Franco as well. There's there's so many options that I don't see the need to go absolutely crazy in the early rounds and draft as many talented defensemen as possible. There's just no no real need for it. Okay. Um just based on, I mean, listen, my, my league scoring is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's basic. It's just basic Yahoo format goals, assists, plus minus power play points, shots on goal hits and blocks goalie stats are wins goals against uh, average uh, save percentage and shutouts. So based on, on, on the scoring here, um, you know, what are some of the things that I'm, I'm looking for most. I got, you know, um, when when I'm like scouting players, obviously I can go by the cheat sheet here and just go in the order that you guys have it. But are there certain things that you know I should be looking for? You know, other than that, you know, looking at you know guys' time on the ice or you know, forget the plus minus. Be ready to lose it every single week. That is the okay. most meaningless stat in sports. And it it doesn't it doesn't make if it's a head to head category league with a category of plus minus, just make it a personal mission to see how low you can get that score. Like, can it be minus 30 one week? Can it be minus 40? I remember a couple of years ago, the conversation around, I mean, Alex Ovechkin was I mean, his back checking, right, where he wasn't when one of the hunters were there and he just wasn't back checking. And imagine asking one of the greatest goal scorers to ever play hockey about his back check, right? And I think that previous year he was like a minus 30, right? But, I mean, Alex Ovechkin does so many other things, right? Shoots the puck, scores goals. Every once in a while he assists because he passed it. Like, there's so many. I I, I guess that's the one category. I hate the plus minus category. It's To me, it's the one that I just disregard. I'm not looking at a player. So, for example, like, like Yoel Edmondson led the league in plus minus as a defenseman. I'm not giving that any stock this season. None. Zero. To me, it's a it, it, it's it's a random stat. A lot of times, if you're on a really bad team, it's just unfortunate. You're going to be on the ice a lot, right? If you're on the ice late, you pull a goalie, score an empty net, you're a minus. It's just one of those stats that I just I just don't care for. So I just completely disregard it out of the gate. And I said, I'm not going to let that factor into a choice between two players. Not the plus minus. Okay. So it's a stat I can ignore. I got you can that. just ignore. And then obviously, I mean, for me, I'm looking for players we're going to get. And this comes back to them that are on bad teams. 
but who are going to get top six minutes or who are going to play on the power play per se. Right. So one player that I have my eye obviously close on, and I think you do, Andrew, as well, is Marco Rossi and seeing yeah. what happens in that situation. Because, you know, we know that he missed well, all of last season due speak, to sorry, COVID. Just, yeah, yeah, speak a little more probably to what that situation is. Right. He missed all of last season. Yeah. Where's he playing? Right. Minnesota, obviously, highly touted prospect. He missed all of last season due to COVID complications. Right. 19-year-old kid. And for the Minnesota Wild, they have no center depth, right? And this is, to people who play DFS, we know this because we were stuck. I mean, rostering players we shouldn't have at that I mean, Victor Rask, just every time I read his name, just haunts me because here he is in the playbook at 30, you know, at 3K on DraftKings, and I'm having to pair him with Kirill Kaprasov and Zuccarello because I need my Minnesota one exposure, right? So there is no center depth in Minnesota. We know this. No offense, you'll, you know, Joel Erickson Eck here, but Marco Rossi has a chance right out of the gate to play a top six role and see top power play minutes. Because if his only competition is Victor Rosk, like that should be pretty easy to figure out, right? And I'm not worried about Ryan Hartman and Nick Bukestad and whoever else can possibly play center on that team. And it's only fair. I, I think it was great that you had him in that cheat sheet as well. I, I, think, I, I think the value can come up here for him. I really do. Right now, he's not a lock in my mind to make that. And I don't know if maybe Minnesota plays it a little more conservative, wants to give him some time elsewhere to kind of see how it figures out. But, I mean, can you imagine stacking Rossi and Kaprasov in DFS and just riding that into the night? I, I can't wait. Uh, I, can't wait. Uh, I mean, I think he's a guy that like, I don't think you actually even have to probably, if you're going to draft Marco Rossi, like it's going to be with your last pick last couple rounds because I don't know if you have to draft him like the concern here being like Kaprasov is small Rossi is also really small uh so I'm not certain if they're going to get paired together if that's ultimately how that's going to play out but I mean if it's like free is free and that's kind of what you're looking at you're like, you might as well take a shot in your last round right and that's where I think you want to look at some. You of have him on the last round. I have him ahead of Quint, uh, Quentin Byfield, <laughs> Nazem Kadri, Pierre Luc Dubois. I have him ahead of Nico Heischer. Yeah, but I don't like. Again, I don't think like for for the sake of the average person's draft here, right? In the case of like Howard's draft, I don't think he needs to draft him, right? Like I don't. I think he'll go undrafted in, in like eighty percent of drafts. Because you're in a league where he's not him. going undrafted, right? But. Again, he's not in the league with you. So <laughs> I worry less about that for like the average person. Like, just don't worry about it. Put him on the watch list. Or if you're if you are worried about it, unless you're in Minnesota or maybe Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, somewhere in that the Midwest and that that area, you probably don't know who he is. So put him on your watch list or grab him with like one of your last couple picks and go from there. I mean, Byfield, I think, has way more upside. Uh, playing in he's LA, gonna, he's gonna get blocked by the goat Philip Deneau. But he doesn't have to because they can play. <laughs> Boys, <laughs> blocked by that's Philip it. You guys Haven't are you heard how great Philip Deneau is. <laughs> you guys, Stop. you guys are absolutely. You're like like two brothers, like sitting there. You're like that, like two of the three Hanson brothers from Slapshot, arguing with each other about players. Unfortunately, I have another podcast I've got to do. 
within the next 10 minutes before I go and do a uh, another radio show on Sirius XM. So um, any last second advice, like super quick advice you can you can throw me and then I'll let you guys get back to to bickering with each other. That's a good one, actually. Um, outside <laughs> of drafting your goalies early, of course. Right. Um, I always try to target again and, and maybe I'm beating this one in players who play the power play, whether it's the top unit, second unit, look for that player who you think, hey, they're going to get an opportunity here, even if they're players that. Do you have a you list know, of players who consistently play on the power play the most? Just a player who's going to get a good situation out of it. And one that comes to mind here early, right? The Toronto power play should be good. Well, let's say Nick Ritchie sticks there. Just had, I mean, they had a bunch of players rotate into that, right? At some point, I think Willie Nylander gets that spot naturally but target players were going to get that opportunity to maybe play that role in the top you know the top power play unit on really good units because they're going to operate at a high efficiency and that leads to points is that, that draft kind of, is that is that draft article coming out soon on on players on different types of strategy on 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 ranking the different power plays and who I should be targeting power plays i think are kind of like like so, like I mean, how many times have we seen power plays just continue? With the exception of Edmonton, because Connor McDavid's a cheat code. Power plays, I guess, just like just just go everywhere. I mean, how consistent have power plays been, Andrew? I I just, I can't remember if power play has been consistent. Well, I don't know. They're not. I think they're. I'd have to look at the actual numbers. Uh, but there, you see some fluctuation in who does really well versus I just try to look at you... some situations where you you know you look at players and you say okay look and again Edmonton is one of them who's that guy on that Edmonton power play who's just gonna be there and right now maybe that's you know Zach Hyman maybe that's Kaylor Yamamoto take those late round risks on players that are just kind of like you know Coop does with his high you know high risk high reward the yin and the yang guys who are just gonna really go up there you have a high risk ceiling and if it doesn't work out early in the year you drop them, you move on, and it's fine. They, you don't have to be emotionally attached to your players. You can, you know, they're not going to call you and say, "How dare you drop, you know, drop me in week three. They're 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 going to be fine. That they'll be okay with it. So, I try to target as much of that power play value, especially on teams that have good power plays or players who are just going to get a ton of exposure to it. All right, Andrew, some final uh, final thought from you. Patience is a virtue. So if you optimally, if you can get one of the top four centers early, you can get McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon, one of those four guys, be patient on your wingers. Lots of really good middle round wingers and fill up on those guys. You're going to get guys, we're seeing Anthony Mantha go really late. He could Mm -hmm. easily score 30 for Washington this year. Getting guys like David Perron, who like, I have as a top 10 player, but you're not going to have to pay a top 10 price. You're going to get them in like the 70s, 80s, probably of your draft. Just be patient for those guys. All right. right? So, so load up on elite centers. You can wait and find good value on wingers in there. You can wait on defensemen and get your stupid goalie before the, uh, the seventh or eighth round. Or wait on them if you want. That's yeah, you know, draft them early, whichever one. <laughs> Find the happy medium. Yeah. Well, boys, I thank you so much for the uh, for giving me the opportunity to ask a couple of questions here. 
Um, I wish I could stay longer, um, but alas, uh, my schedule does not permit. But thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming on. Have a great night. All right. Uh, So, I mean, I guess we got the yearly goalie discussion out of the way. We did figure that out part. That's good. I'm I'm glad that we got that out of the way now so I can either, you know, we can pound my chest come April or hide in my hole like I did last year and say, man, this did not work out. Yeah. Well, you know, time will tell. So, um, I mean, any other draft nuggets you you want to you want to talk about, Chris? I mean, um, I think the things we didn't quite get to is like, what's the most like, what's the like, what are the top heavy positions? What aren't? I mean, I mean, item of the opinion, like center is the most top heavy position, right? Like the top four players are all centers. If you can get one of right. those probably like you're going to be okay. And you can get a lot of players as well who have dual position eligibility who can fit into that center role or, you know, or a lot of centers who also play the wing a lot. So, I mean, same, same sentence as you, right? If if you can get a ton of really top and if if your first two picks are a center and a center, like you're fine, right? They won't because I I don't like, no, but what I've seen, you're like, but like you're gonna get like if you're not getting like the elite guys, like I'm skipping Barkov and Zabinijad myself. Like I'll pass on those guys. I'll pass on Bergeron. And then I'll start again with like the Shifley tier, right? I can live with a Shifley. I can live with a Tavares. I can live with Ryan O'Reilly. You're gonna get a bit of a discount on Crosby. He's hurt. You bring point. Right. Look at how good Vincent Trocheck was last year when he was healthy. How good Kopitar was. Ryan Strom yes. still plays with Panarin. Like, there's points to be had there. Like, even Braden Shen. Like, well, and I guess I'll ask you this one. Nick Suzuki. Yep. Right? Like, how good's Cole Caulfield going to be? How much is that going to boost Nick Suzuki? I mean, if I'm referring to Trevor Zegers' quote tweet, he's going to score 40. So that's what Trevor, right. right? They both played at the United States yeah. development team. So I don't know if Kolkoff is going to score 40. I will say this for Nick Suzuki, it's going to be nice to play with some uh, top talent, right? Consistent. Not exactly. And I, I, I think the part that frees him up the most here is knowing that I don't think he's going to handle a ton of defensive responsibilities. I think that's why you bring in a player like Christian Dvorak. And that's why you also have a player like maybe you'll give more responsibility to Jake Evans. I think those are the, you know, the second and third line are going to handle more of that responsibility. So I think at some point Dvorak and Gallagher are going to play together. We'll see if, you know, Josh Anderson willing to flip to the left side or whatnot. They'll 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 make that work. Right. But I don't think Suzuki is going to if, if Suzuki is going to play with Caulfield, which is the expectation that they should because Suzuki's a boatload of talent and Caulfield's got a great shot so you kind of want those two to work together here and whoever else plays on the left side can definitely complement them there if you want to have it be to Foley fine not a problem you could go one up here and really put Jonathan Drew in a really good spot to facilitate those two and then you're on a win here but again if Brass is set on Nick Suzuki being a two-way center all the time well then that's going to be tough for him Right. I think Suzuki can hit 60 points playing with Caulfield. Caulfield can score and Suzuki can, 
you know, score, dish, do everything, right? Playing the power play and everything. There's some upside for me there as there. I don't know if Suzuki has dual position eligibility either on Yahoo, but I, I I do know that's also something that I try to look at with my center. Can my center also play the wing or can I slot him out? I want as much, you know, position, you know, flexibility if I want it. Some leagues don't have, right? If, if your league just has nine forward spots, well, your league has nine forward spots, right? And you just yeah. go about whatever you need at that point. But a lot of leagues don't. And if your league is very specific on position, so two right wing, two left wing, let's say three centers or whatnot, well, then you need to start finding and making sure that you can kind of flip those players around and kind of fit them into where you need to be. Because you don't want to get caught saying, oh, I can't take this player because he's only right wing position and I already have three of them, right? right. I'm still of the mentality that you draft the best player you available, even if that causes a problem. And then you figure that problem out later, whether it's through trade, whether it's through, you know, excessive value, whether it's finding the other. If, if Think about it. If you have too much of something, one of your other owners doesn't have enough of it. Yeah. Find him, work out that deal because it's more more than likely you'll get something done. So, again, same thing for me. I think I'll go as far as saying I'll also look at, you know, players like Braden Point. I'll look at players like Sebastian Ajo there. I would, if, if I'm obviously, again, turning, let's say, later in the first round, let's say I'm not gifted with a Nathan McKinnon early for whatever reason, right? Um, I have no problem starting my draft with, let's say, someone like, I mean, Mika Zabinijad. And if I'm lucky, Braden Point still standing around, one, two there, yeah. Or if not, I'll even be okay with any combination of Zabinijad, Point, and Ajo. Any combination yeah. of those three, I'll live with. Well, and I, I think one player is getting significantly looked over this year because of injury last year. That could be a top yeah. 10 center without I know troubles. Elias Patterson. 100%. I, I hope that contract figures itself out at some point because uh, the Vancouver Canucks desperately need him to be in the lineup. They need him to be healthy as well. This kid is just... Like, he is elite. You look at him, and you're kind of worried about him, right? He's got, you know, the, the stick, the skating is all, you know, it's not, I don't know. It doesn't look all that flamboyant, but when he's in the lineup, he can do things. Yeah. And I think, you know, his first two seasons, right, a lot of people saying, yeah, it's, you know, it's not a whole bunch of points. It's fine, but, you know, he did what he needed to do, and he was pretty good. And last season, he was... You know, in the games that he played, he was there. I don't know if he's... He was unlucky last year. He was like, very unlucky. His shooting percentage was his way under where it should have been. Um, and, I mean, he started I mean, and he and he couldn't injured. find the back of the net. Right. And he was injured, also being the other yes. part of that, which would be your reason for being historically low. Uh, another player I really like that I think you could see a huge increase in value this year, Sean Couturier. Yeah. I think if the Flyers add Atkinson to the top line, who's like solid trigger man, it's basically all right. he does, is like the Flyers on their top line last year and for the last two years had three playmakers, but no one to shoot. Now right. you got somebody there to shoot, to play with Couturier and Giroux. I think you could see like those guys see a pretty significant uptick. Um, and yeah, I think Cam Atkinson feels- can grab that spot out of let's say Travis Konechny's hands because that's where right. I think like the like the like where it's going to go but if Cam Atkinson can grab that spot he automatically becomes one of those players that you kind of 
can kind of let slide a little bit. And then all of a sudden, late in your draft, you're like, oh, you know, he oh, yeah. Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Right. Why Maybe not? I've, yeah. I've been doing that in my best ball drafts. I've been getting Cam Atkinson where I can. Of course. Because the upside's there. I think you could, you could hit 30 in the right situation. And he I think you get the, the zero torts boost. Right. Like, not not playing with Tortorella is obviously right. a boost. So, um, and, and I think there's probably still some like value you are gonna get out of somebody like Pierre Luc Dubois, full year in in Winnipeg. I think the timing was bad for him. He was terrible. Like he was maybe God he was terrible. He was not useful in when he was in Winnipeg last year. But he's not. At one not point, he bad. wasn't even playing center. They right. moved him to the wing. And it sounds like they could do that again with him because uh, they re-signed Stastny. So, like, they could even start him on the wing if they're still trying to get him comfortable with being there. But he's a guy with too much upside to just let float by, and people are going to. Like, perfect guy. Pick him up. Get him late in your draft. If two weeks yeah. into the system, yeah, if you can. Like, I don't want to You can 100% pay. probably get him late. I, I think a lot of people are just kind of – and it's, it's, it's kind of weird because – I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been a good player uh, considering he's had to play under John Tortorella, which we know sometimes players don't necessarily, um, you know, perform. Yeah, you know, John Tortorella's defense first, which is fine how he runs it, but now you don't have that situation. It was kind of it was kind of weird to just see him go to, to Winnipeg and just be so unsuccessful, right? He's 23, yeah. by the way. Like, he, I, I think people think he's older. He's not. He is not, yeah. and he's also he's a pending RFA at the end of the year, and he's making five mil. So, right. I mean, we know how much you know how many players just all of a sudden have career years uh, when they are UFAs or pending RFAs, right? So this is a situation that sets up for him, and he's got a lot of talent sitting around him as well. Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, Blake Wheeler's yeah. not dead, so <laughs> there's there's enough winger support around him. To be able to, you know, get him going. There's there's no reason that Pierre-Luc Dubois should struggle at the pace that he did. Like, he came over and, I mean, he was just, he was awful. Absolutely yeah. awful. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think in leagues, if your league just uses straight wing, like wingers alone or really really deep yes right like geez like you're gonna get guys like um there's they're just so they're yeah. so deep you well, can get outside of the 10th round and still have a ton of great options right. yeah like well like dustin brown right really great floor player the upside probably not there, right? But like anyone that shoots over ten percent as consistently as he does scores goals. Right. Gives you the hits, gives you everything else, is on the power play, does everything you need to do. And he's like he's easily a guy you're gonna get outside the top one fifty. Guy Zach Hyman. We Zach yeah. could be a huge boom or bust. We don't know what he's gonna be. We don't know where he's gonna play. But like we are fairly certain he's going to be on the top line. Uh, he goes from a situation of digging pucks out of the corner for Matthews and Marner, and now he's going to dig them out for, you know, 
Dreisaitl and, <laughs> and McDavid. It's not a bad place to be. Like, Patrick Laine could bounce back. Patrick, like, I was just about to say him as well. What was it, a year ago? Like, people, like, in the last two years, were like, he could score 50 goals. Well, he could still score 50 goals. That didn't change. He just didn't want to be in Columbus, and he didn't want to be in Winnipeg. But Tortorella's gone. You got to imagine, like, Columbus would love to maybe re-sign him and if they can get a good year of him, as opposed to like giving him another up nothing. another pending RFA, yeah, or trade him if needed, like get some trade value back. So I'll um, even throw one out there as well that people are just going to forget because you know the team is bad. Maxime Contois, yeah, I, I know the, the Anaheim Ducks are, you know, they are what they are, but I mean, there's a lot of young talent. If Trevor Zegers can hold in a center spot. Like, I mean, I, I think Contois can play with Zegers and keep up. And, I mean, you'll have Getzlaff and the rest of them be more of the shutdown line. So you don't even have to worry about the kids kind of their defensive responsibility. I think, you'll, you know, the team has enough to kind of set them up in a good position, right? You can run Adam Henrique out there with Getzlaff and Silverberg. And you'll have a good line that can also be good in their own zone defensively. And I mean, Contois did a great job last season of scoring goals when, I mean, he was a, again, he was a lock early in the year and on DraftKings. You could get him sub 3K. He was free and he was scoring goals and it was just, it was just crazy value to get him here. Right. And again, another, you know, he's 22 years old, not a, not, not old, lots of opportunities for him in, in Anaheim, right. Anaheim's not running out a whole bunch of players. Uh, he had 16 goals last season, considering the team was pretty trash, and he could easily, easily eclipse that 16, and he could maybe push for 25. And if you're grabbing a player late in the draft who's got 25 goal potential, let's say he adds another, I don't know, 20 assists. If you're getting 45 to maybe 50 point production out of a player that was basically coming way late that's not bad yeah you can do a whole lot worse than that you 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 can grab a bust at that point you can grab a tom <laughs> wilson who gets suspended for 20 and then you got nothing out of it so yeah oh yeah and you will and i mean that said if there's a time to grab bust that's your time right because you know getting two weeks in like and then that's you know take a look at who's been good for the last week if you play DFS, you should know who's been good over the last week. Like, is that guy a roster? No? Go get that guy. Right? Like, uh, like. Especially if the waivers gonna... clear Monday morning. Like, while everybody's yeah. watching football on Sunday, you're making sure that your waiver wire claims are in. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then defense as well, right? There's, I mean, I don't think you're going to sneak. Uh, yeah, some of these guys buy too many, but um, I mean, I'm really interested as to where people are going to be on Jacob Chicken. Like, in a lot of, like, when I ran the numbers from last year, he was top three everywhere. Yeah. Right? On an Arizona team that was, well, better than it's going to be this year, not significantly better than they were 
than they're going to be this year. So, like, he's a guy that I, if I'm going to jump to get a defenseman early, he's probably going to be that guy because I think he still can exceed value, especially if you're getting him in, like, third or fourth round. Correct. And um, I'm not even worried about the conversation that some people were trying to have about, oh, Shane Goss's bear taking his top spot. No, like, no, that's no chance. That's, like, if, if you want to believe that, go right ahead. Let him drop to me. But there is, like, Gossespierre couldn't hold on to his spot where he was. Right. right when they had no one better. Right. They had nobody else. Right. He had a, I mean, he had one, he had one good season. He had one right. good season. And I mean, last year he was basically last year. He was irrelevant. The year before that, he was like even worse. He is he is completely in my mind fallen off. He's not going to a team with a high upside in goals either. And he's not probably not going to see top power play minutes because I really don't think uh, the Arizona Cowboys are going to run two defensemen uh, on the power play. Not when Phil Kessel's still around, because I think they're still going to want him to play you know, top high. He's got a good shot still. That we know we can do. Um, so for me, Goss's Bear has got nothing here. He's not taking anything away from Jacob Chikrin, who's probably one of the, what, outside of him and Clayton Keller, maybe Nick Schmaltz you can have in there. One of the only players who can actually be fantasy relevant. Oh, for... He's going to be the only player on that team that would be fantasy relevant. I don't think, like, Keller hasn't been fantasy relevant in years because he hasn't, outside of, like, one good year, he just kind of stopped scoring, it seemed. Yeah, so and, and like, that's, again, because he plays... Right, well, yeah, he plays, he in, plays a, in Arizona. Right. So. The other thing, like, the other wild card here is, like, did, Arizona's got a new coach. They might not play defensive style anymore. They might try to just run and gun. I hope right? so. That'd be kind of I cool. Mean, <laughs> yeah, a whole lot. I mean, if you, the name of the game is getting people to watch your games or show up. And, you know, when you're trying to grow a market in Arizona that no one has had any success growing playing the boringest style of play you can possibly think of isn't the way to go especially when you're not going to win games so it wouldn't be a surprise to me um but like I'm seeing Chickering go in the fourth round I'll take him in the fourth round every day of the week of course no problem um other guys I'm like I've been in on a lot so far, uh, mentioned earlier, Aaron Ekblad, who I think is dropping because he was hurt for the last third of the year. So, like, when people look at the numbers, they're not what they want to see. And so he, he doesn't he have Keith Yandel in town either. So that spot right. is like that spot is. And it was his last year, anyways, right? Like right. Yandel wasn't on the top power play last year. It was Ekblad. Uh, like I really like Jeff Petrie this year. Like, imagine. The points you could have if Montreal's power play was good, right? I mean, they had a couple against the Leafs tonight. I know it is, you know, it's pretty. But like, like, just imagine, right? Your your game plan no longer has to be bombs from the point from Shea Weber. You can run a real power play now. They might have no choice but to actually think about doing something else because now you don't have. I mean, Weber's not sitting there, so that's good. Eric Gustafson is no longer there, so we can forget that experiment during the playoffs, right? They don't really have anybody else who can kind of manage the power play. I'm putting nothing behind Chris Weidman. I don't even think he finishes the year Uh, on the team. Um, 
I mean, I'm like, not worried about David Savard or anybody else. I mean, is else. your next guy up? Like, your next guy up's got to be like Romanov, right? It is. It, it has to be Romanov after that. And I, I don't think they're going to give him yeah, that right now. No. Right, that they were hesitant to play him right in the Stanley Cup final. They sheltered him. They were yeah. willing to run Sherratt <laughs> and Weber with half a leg out there uh, for like forty plus minutes. They're I I I don't think they're going to put Romanov in that situation. But he is the he would be the next right yeah. player up after that point. For so Jeff Petrie to me is the only def- offensive defenseman that the team trusts. Right, I think Romanov can have some of that offensive skill. I don't think it's there yet. But outside of Jeff Petrie, like it, it's his job, and I think he, if it, like you said, if that power play can get working, and if you kind of move Weber off that, and you got to respect players like Suzuki and Caulfield, you know, maybe imagine, I mean, imagine having Suzuki, you know, Caulfield, Hoffman on the ice, and Petrie, and then I don't know, put whoever else you want at that point. Like you got a lot of shooters out there, you got to respect them all. Hoffman can score goals. Caulfield, yeah. we know what he can do. Suzuki's no like once you start getting some options, I, I think that might free up even more room for Jeff Petrie to have even you know an, an, an even bigger year because he started off hot and then well you know yeah, cooled yeah. off a little bit, which is fine, right? He's thirty three. He's aging. He's you know it's it's kind of one of those things that you're like all right that can happen, but he he really started off the year and he still had you know good production. He played fifty five games. So yeah. there's that he definitely has the upside of uh, 50 plus points. And if you're getting a defenseman again, I have him on the sheet here at I have him in the 10th round. Right. I have him as a nine dollar bid on the auction. So if you can get a player sub 10 with 50 point plus potential as a defenseman, I think you're sitting in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all that stuff is. I mean, those things definitely work. Uh like John Klingberg, love the value. John Klingberg still getting the top, still the top power play guy in St. Louis. He's or St. Louis, Dallas. He's been successful the like in that space, which is why I think Heiskanen still further down. And I think people still love to dream on Heiskanen taking over that top power play. But I think for as long as Klingberg is there, and I think this is the last year in his deal, it's going to be his spot. And Dallas should be better. Hopefully, Dallas was actually pretty good for chunks of time last year when they're healthy. Um, I think he's a guy that can return really nice value for you. Um, Neil Pionk always seems to be valuable. Like even last year when he didn't have top power play, he was still like a top twenty defenseman. So um, yeah, I think there's lots. I think on defense you do see a lot of variation. Uh, year to year because I think defensemen probably get hurt more than others because of the, how many shots they block and all that type of stuff. Um, so you, you're going to find value there. Um, and I mean, geez, we might even see guys like Quinn Hughes slide, especially if they don't sign. Right. So we, we may see it just based on, you know, as we get closer and however long that contract takes to sign. You know, maybe if you're doing maybe earlier drafts, maybe you can get some value on it. If this continues to dig in, you know, into October past the first week, you know, some people may get hesitant. They may not want to. I, I, I mean, I'm hopeful yeah. for the Vancouver Canucks. They they figure out that situation with Pedersen and Hughes. And I, I, I think the goal is to do it. But 
I mean, if you can get some value there, go for it. Yeah, in in the best ball drafts right now, he's still he's still going pretty high. He's still at fifty eight point four, um, which for a player who offers just offense in these, like he doesn't hit at all, literally. And I mean, like at all. Like Jack Hughes had more hits last year than Quinn Hughes did. Right. Um, that's like that's a little high for my taste, and I think that is something that people forget about too. They like they see like how good he is at retrieving pucks, they see how good he is at like moving the puck back out of the zone. But if you got hits in your league, he's not valuable. <laughs> so like he should slide. Um, so yeah, I mean guys like Shea Theodore still feel a little risky. I like Theodore. I just still wonder, like, are they going to kind of flip-flop him and Petrangelo on the on the top power play, which essentially kind of, like, neuters them both. Um, yeah, and, I mean, same with guys like Charlie McAvoy. It's like, you can get Charlie McAvoy, like, one of two, but they could go back to Matt Grizzly in Boston as the top power play guy again which would really hurt the value on somebody like McAvoy. That's true. All true. So, um, that said, uh, we should probably cut it here. Um, just see here. We'll probably, uh, yeah. I don't think bit, we missed so. anything, bro. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good start. So, uh, we'll do it again next week. Um, hopefully get into maybe some, uh, some betting stuff. Take a look at some futures. We'll pick up some division winners, guys who think can win some trophies. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll take in some uh, some more questions. Cover cover some more of this stuff. Uh, if people have draft questions. So, uh, anyways, thanks for taking the time. Uh, we'll you'll hear from us again next week. And uh, good luck in your draft season.